Meet Eliana. She is dealing with stubborn weight issues, and no matter what she does, she can't lose weight. She tried every single diet, worked out more, drank more water, cut out gluten, but nothing has changed. She's also constantly bloated, which she says makes her look pregnant, and this becomes even worse around her menstrual cycle, where she can easily put on five pounds in a week. Eliana has worked with several dietitians in the past and found that if she severely restricted her calories, she would then see progress, but that was just not sustainable. And it also made her very tired. She was so fed up. And that is when she reached out to me. After meeting with Eliana and taking a detailed health history, I saw that while she was very regimented and ate super clean, there were many other areas in her body that still needed support. Since everything in the body is so connected, I knew exactly where we needed to look to solve her weight mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. I unfortunately had to record this interview without my microphone because as Esther and I went to record, my mic wouldn't work. Apparently, Jake had played with it the night before and I didn't realize it. So my apologies that the audio is not as high quality as it always is. We just heard about all of the diets Eliana has tried, and it seems like no matter what she eats, her stubborn weight just won't come off. Joining me on the show today to talk much more about this is Esther Blum. Esther is an integrative dietitian and high-performance coach who has helped thousands of women permanently treat the root cause of their health struggles and find joy in the lives once again. Esther is the best-selling author of Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous project. And she's been featured in all types of publications from the New York Times to Dr. Oz. And so Esther, welcome. I am so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking about weight loss because so many people are looking to lose weight, including Eliana, but often they find themselves frustrated. They're frustrated because for many of them, it seems like they are doing everything right they're eating less, they're eating better, cleaner, they're working out more, some of them even maybe twice a day, but the weight doesn't just fall off. In fact, for some, it doesn't even budge or worse, sometimes it may even go up. And, you know, like many other health elements, weight loss is more complex than just calories in and calories out. So Esther, can you tell us why is this more complex than people realize? (laughs) We are not just, as you said, calories in, calories out. We are complex, very sophisticated, intricately designed humans. And we have so many systems that are tied into each other. And, you know, if you go to a traditional Western doctor, often they're trained to look at one or two areas. They'll say, well, I have a stomach ache. Well, they don't say, you know, they may not ask, well, what are you eating? And what's your stress like? And what's different for you? And do you have food poisoning? You know, they'll just say, well, here's some Pepto-Bismol or antacids and and go home uh, and you're fine. And so when it comes to 
hormones, when it comes to gut function, those two are intricately tied together. Um, when it comes to our stress and our digestion, those are intricately linked together. So I prefer to think of humans as just a big continuum. Think of it as, you know, a big rubber band, right? Uh, and if one area of that rubber band, if, if the rubber band's pulled taut and one area is dysfunctional, it's going to stress all the other areas of the rubber band. So you really do have to treat the whole person and look at it from a systemic perspective. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As with many health issues, we are one whole kind of person for sure. Now you focus on five areas that tend to be the culprits, or at least some of the culprits when it comes to weight loss. So I would love to dive into those. I know that the first is hormones and specifically estrogen dominance. So tell us a little bit more about what this is, why it's an issue, and what people can do about it. Well, estrogen dominance takes place in your body during different times in our life, right? It can take place when you are younger. Um, if your stress is very bad uh, and very intense, your progesterone can bottom out, leaving you in a place of estrogen dominance. So that's relative estrogen dominance. It can also occur when you have a lot of gut inflammation or poor detoxification pathways. There is an enzyme in your gut called beta-glucuronidase, and that enzyme will indeed recycle estrogen if your detox pathways are not up to par, and that can be due to nutrient deficiencies or vitamin deficiencies or carrying extra toxins in the body. Estrogen dominance can also happen if somebody is overweight. I see a lot of, in both my male and female clientele, they have very high amounts of testosterone and a lot of extra body fat, but it is aromatizing or converting to estrogen. Or if somebody's on testosterone pellets, if they're overweight or not detoxifying properly, those that testosterone will also convert to estrogen. So I see it in many forms. You know, the symptoms can be everything from breast tenderness to water retention, irritability. You know, it, it can really make it difficult to lose weight if you are in a space of estrogen dominance for sure. Mm -hmm. And for everyone listening with what you're saying, Esther, it's not necessarily just having really high estrogen. It's the balance of the estrogen to your other hormones that creates the dominance, correct? That's right. And that can be from production, which isn't always the case. People aren't always overproducing estrogen, but they could be underproducing progesterone or if anyone is on, you know, the Nuva ring or the pill, that can also create estrogen dominance because, you know, I've had clients who you would think that taking the pill kind of shut off their own internal production of estrogen, but some of my clients just break through and their bodies say, I don't care that you're putting hormones in me, I'm still going to make my own. So they're super estrogen dominant as a result. And it, it can give a woman, you know, absolutely horrible menstrual periods, very difficult, very painful. They can pass a lot of blood clots and have excess cramping. So it's it's a real struggle if you have it. It can be physically unbearable and you have very heavy periods as a result too, which can be quite debilitating. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good point that the pill doesn't always override and you can have both. And the other point you made earlier about detoxification with the estrogen, like you said, it's not always production, but you could be producing a normal amount. But if you're not getting rid of it, you're basically then storing it. And so the next day you produce estrogen, but you don't get rid of it. So now you have estrogen from today and yesterday. And then the next day you produce it, but don't get rid of it. And it builds up that way as well. So it's an important thing for people to keep in mind. Yes. And also I should add too, you know, we have a lot of xenoestrogens in our environment and in our diet, which mimic the effect of estrogens in the body. So you see men with, uh, I call them movies, right? Male boobs. Um, from drinking a lot of beer uh, and exposure to plastics, like drinking out of plastic bottles all the time. So that is an endocrine disruptor. It, it mimics the effect of estrogen in the body and will knock out normal, uh, healthy, regular internal production of estrogen from reaching its receptor site. So you can become estrogen dominant that way. For women, you know, the average woman has at least 200 chemicals a day applied to her from beauty products, you know, skincare, shampoo, and makeup. And so, and then you throw in like sunscreen or self-tanner, you know, their perfumes, all of those can really um, also cause us to be estrogen dominant because they are mimicking, mimicking the effect of estrogen in the body and displacing it from reaching its targeted receptor sites. Yeah. And it's so good to know about all of these things because when we're thinking about weight loss, you know, oftentimes, like we said, we think about the food that we eat, but who would think necessarily about the makeup that we wear, right? Or the bottles that we drink from, but all of this affects what happens. Now, if someone is thinking they might be estrogen dominant and they're wondering if that's the case, how can they find out? Are there tests that you like that can show this? Are there certain questionnaires that they could do? What do you, how do you help people figure out if that's an issue for them? Knowing your numbers and knowing your metabolic pathways is crucial. So I use a Dutch test with my clients. It's Dutch stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. It's really a fabulous test. Um, I don't have any financial tests in the lab. I just really... Uh, I'm very happy with this test. And it does look at your production and your pathways and your metabolism of 21 different androgens. So it looks at your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, looks at seven forms of each. And it will tell you if your estrogen is going down, if it's being metabolized well, or if it's going down um, pathway that could potentially be linked to cancer, like a 4-OH or a 16-OH, those forms of estrogen are particularly um, unhealthy and will raise a lot of red flags if you're going down those pathways. So um, through that knowledge, I can optimize detoxification and we redo the Dutch and it's much, much better, you know, the second, third round. We also, again, I use it as a tool for women, when they're getting off the pill or off the NuvaRing, or even on the NuvaRing, I can tell, or the pill, I can tell how their body is working. It's not as ideal because the, the hormones do suppress your body's production naturally a bit, but you can still get a decent baseline reading. Um, I do help people get off the pill and off the NuvaRing or the IUD. We also can get a much better baseline of their hormones there. It can help with fertility for sure. And then I also use it to look at 
hormone replacement dosages for menopause. And if you're a person who has a strong familial history of cancer, it will look at your methylation pathways and say, are you even a candidate for hormone replacement? Some people absolutely do not want to do hormone replacement. Some people are happy to. And the right hormone replacement cocktail can be life-changing. A lot of the women I treat go from having raging insomnia and hot flashes and terrible libido and vaginal dryness and weight gain to, you know, sleeping through the night. They're able to build lean muscle, their mood and their brain fog clears up, you know, libido is restored and they, they really feel like their best selves again. You know, they say, Oh, I feel fantastic. Is it this easy? Yes, it is. It, It really makes a huge difference in their health and their outcomes. The Dutch test also does look at neurotransmitter production in the brain. It looks at melatonin. So I can look and see a lot of my clients start off with me taking antidepressants and we work with their psychiatrist to wean them off with just a straight up amino acid therapy and they have no side effects weaning. It's pretty fantastic because what most people don't realize is antidepressants are supposed to raise serotonin, but I don't always see it. I don't always see it on the Dutch. Some people do. I get you, you can see they're getting a good response from a medication, but I would say 70% of my people are not even getting the response. So I'm like, do you even need this? And most of the time people have just started taking it like 20 years prior and just never got off because they, even though the trauma has passed or the events passed, they're not feeling depressed anymore. Uh, they never think to get off. They just stay on it. So we get them off. For sure. And some people are just afraid to get off because of some of the potential side effects that can happen. I see that a lot too. And yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, these medications, they basically concentrate the serotonin in your brain. They're not actually increasing it. So if you don't have those precursors, then you're concentrating a bunch of stuff that you don't really have, right? So you're not even going to get that increase. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Bingo. Brilliant. Yes, that's exactly. If you don't have the precursors or you've got a lot of gut inflammation, hit the nail on the head. So with estrogen dominance, then there are, of course, different things as you were explaining. It's if they're either producing too much, they're converting into it, or they're not detoxifying it. And it's great to know that for all of those things, there's something that can be done. And do you typically use supplements? I know you said sometimes you would use hormone replacement, you know, if things are off, but then what about in terms of supplements or detox? Are there any favorite tools or remedies that you like? Well, the good thing too about the Dutch is, you know, there are two supplements that work beautifully to detox estrogen. One is DIM, that's methane, And these are concentrates of um, the brassica family of vegetables, broccoli in particular, certainly artichoke, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, those are also foods in the brassica family that you can enjoy. They won't suppress your thyroid function. They do help detox. But um, doing the Dutch tells you exactly whether or not you need DIM versus calcium deglucurate because each one works on different estrogen pathways. So that is a very helpful North Star to have when you're doing this kind of detox. Sometimes I also use a topical cream, especially with men. It's called Testinex. And you apply it to the insides of your elbows um, or behind the knees. And that also binds and pulls out estrogen in my in my men as well. So it's wonderful. Um, and is that something that's prescription or is it something that people can get over the counter or from their practitioner? 
Yes, you can get it. You could probably find it online over the counter. Is it a similar pathway as DIM or is it more of like a binder? It's more of a polyphenol actually, and it helps your body excrete it. So you, you want to make sure too, you know, I, I see a lot of fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease now, and this um, the rate increases more in menopausal women. So you want to make sure that your liver pathways are really up to par. So again, eating those beautiful brassicas is really wonderful. Um, you can also eat other dark green leafies, you know, kale. Swiss chard has a superior nutritional profile, uh, spinach, collard greens, but any vegetables are going to support detoxification. If you're not a big veggie eater, you can certainly drink powdered greens. There's a good one called Paleo Greens by Designs for Health. That's another great binder. And of course, fiber. Fiber is a really important estrogen binder, and you can do this by adding ground chia seeds or, uh, I'm sorry, you could eat chia seeds whole, especially if they're in a pudding where you just throw a, two tablespoons of chia seeds and about three quarter cup of, you know, a nut milk, a dairy free milk. And you could put in some cinnamon or stevia if you want to flavor. I just eat it plain, but, or you could put, you know, chia or ground flax into your protein shakes or cottage cheese or yogurt or applesauce. And, you know, flax seeds are so great for male health and prostate health. But both of them have these lignans or fibers that really, really bind estrogens and pull out. And you want to make sure that you're pooping every day, quite frankly, because people who are constipated also can be prone to estrogen dominance because estrogen is excreted through your bowel movements and through your urinary tract, but mostly through bowel movements. You want to make sure that you're going every day and fiber and vegetables and fluids, you know, water is a great way to clean out your internal plumbing and remove excess estrogen. And then sweating, like getting a sauna, work, work out where you're sweating, especially if you live in a warm climate. I mean, that's like a natural sauna every day. But if you have an infrared sauna, that's another great way or Epsom salt baths, um, another great, just gentle, simple at-home detox that you can do. That's great. So yes, hormones and estrogen dominance are definitely going to play a big role in one of the top reasons of why weight loss may not happen. So what's the next issue that can prevent people from losing weight? So often adrenal dysfunction, um, and this can be brought on by chronic stress, poor sleep, and with poor sleep, it's chicken versus egg, <laughs> um, low, low blood sugar or high blood sugar, chronically high cortisol, environmental toxins, all of those, you know, having your body in a fight or flight state can initially elevate your cortisol and then come to a point where you really get to a later stage burnout, if you will, where your cortisol is just really low all the time and you can't even get it up anymore. So think about that, right? Where you're up all night, you're not sleeping, you're exhausted, and then you're dragging your wagon during the day. You can't work out as effectively, which makes it much harder to burn fat. Um, and, and you really have just frazzled yourself quite a bit. So you really want to bring the body into a greater place of balance with adrenal dysfunction. And so much of it is lifestyle based. 
you know, I, I do put people on supplements which help, you know, especially adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha is one of my favorite. I love holy basil. Tulsi tea is a really good one. Um, I, there are so many ro- rhodiola. There's so many wonderful adaptogenic herbs. But again, before the pills has to come the lifestyle. And first and foremost, right, sleep is your metabolic mistress and getting proper sleep and getting to the root cause of why you're not sleeping is really, really important. So first we look to stress because, you know, our our mental state is um, really driving our health conditions. If you are under chronic stress, if you are struggling with depression, if you're struggling with feelings of worthiness or... Um, you tend to be overly self-critical. Hello, I'm raising my hand here. That is, I'm, I joke that I'm the recovering perfectionist. But, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> and so you really want to make sure you're tending to your real estate and being very kind to yourself and celebrating you know, the victories and the positive in your life. And you can do this with a gratitude journal. You can do this with deep breathing at night, which really engages your parasympathetic nervous system. This is the very calming, relaxing side of your nervous system. It opposes the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight state. So we want to make sure that we're tending to our mental wellness, taking some some hot baths, self-care, or for some of us, self-care means taking more action, having more accountability. If you're finding you're depressed because you're not productive, and then you live in a place of fear of like not getting things done or stress, then you have to have an action plan. Maybe you want to hire a a business coach or an accountability partner, right? So you have to really look at all the aspects of the root causes of your stress. Okay. I'm feeling stressed. Why am I depressed? Am I anxious? Why? What are the things I can change in my life to counterbalance those? Do I need to take things off my plate? What can I delegate to people? What can I hire people to do? managing your stress is really key. For me too, I find lists really help me. If I quiet my mind and sit for about 10 minutes before bed with just a blank sheet of paper, I write down all my to-dos or um, things that are just top of mind. And then I'm not waking up at three in the morning saying, oh my God, I forgot to do this, right? So, (laughs) So that really helps you're a genius, okay? On the point with weight and stress, and like you said, self-care is going to be different for different people and stresses are going to be different for different people. Sometimes it can also be where someone's putting a lot of stress on themselves because they're not losing weight. And then it becomes this vicious cycle, right? I'm not losing weight. Oh my gosh, what's wrong? Why is this? Why is that, right? And then that in itself then becomes stress. And then we need to get out of that cycle. That's absolutely right. And that you know, and that can be, if you are overweight, you know, my more overweight clients tend to fall under the high cortisol, chronically elevated, like off the charts, um, which shows up on the Dutch test too. That shows your morning and your metabolized cortisol. For very high cortisol, we look at everything from caffeine, right? We start with caffeine because, you know, coffee can have a lot of medicinal benefits, but if you're, if you're rocking the high cortisol, I put people on the Calm Down Man program where we switch their coffee. Um, I love Four Sigmatic products. They are adaptogenic. There is a cacao and cordyceps formula uh, called Perform, right? And that will give you mental 
focus and good energy without the caffeine jitters. Or I have people go down to one cup a day. But ideally, if someone's cortisol is off the charts, I have to take them off all coffee. It's just a reality. And I have to get them off screens at night. Again, adrenal is so lifestyle-based. You got to get off your screens. You got to get in a more parasympathetic state. Um, No technology, especially in the bedroom. Like the bedroom is for sleeping and sex. That's it. Or reading. Reading's okay. But no technology in the bedroom. If you live in a small apartment and there's a router in your bedroom, turn it off at night so you're not getting Wi-Fi exposure. Or if you have to have a phone on, put it in airplane mode or and put it at least 10 feet away. Sleep in a dark room. And if, again, you don't have blackout shades, get, get a night mask. Uh, an eye mask is fine. So it's really training your body at night to calm down, dim lights, Himalayan salt lamp is great for like dim lights, burn candles for all I care. (laughs) You know, just get yourself in a calmer place. And then um, also take a hard look at your cardio. If you're doing a lot of cardio and your cortisol is off the charts, you're going to need to actually redo your exercise. And this is the hardest thing for my people who love riding their Pelotons, who love running and I'm like, the Pelotons have weights. Do the weight classes and slow down. Yep, they have bar now and yoga as well. So you Fabulous. Use it for See, that. that's good to know. I didn't even know that. You can also walk. Walking lowers cortisol, especially outside in nature, is even better than a treadmill. But don't let perfect be the enemy of done. Okay, but just walking, being outside, time with your friends, shutting your phone off. You know, all of just these simple things of like, Think about how your grandparents lived their lives and try to just simplify your life a little bit. That is really key for adrenal dysfunction and restoring. And I do see cortisol levels come down and I see levels come up, but it really takes commitment to changing your life. That's the hardest thing for people to give up is their, is their old habits. Yeah, it is. But you know, it's so good to know that there are so many different things that people can do. Because sometimes when we think about adrenals, we just think, oh gosh, right? It's this big thing. And of course, yes, there's supplements and herbs and they're wonderful. But like you said, lifestyle is first. And you just name like 15 different things. And at least half of them are things that you could do literally in one day. And they're not that hard. So people can start there. And then from there, they can work towards, you know, the next things that may be a little bit harder. So this is very, very doable. And it is, it's imperative because our adrenals really control so much. They do. They do. And honestly, like as you age, if you don't take care of them, you really get struggle with good energy every day. So it is important (laughs) and it's important. Yeah. Just be smarter about, you don't have to work harder. Just be smarter about how you are working and walking and weights can be, can still give you, you don't get the same runner's high. I, I'm a, I am a former marathoner. You don't get the same runner's high, but you still feel amazingly good. You can still get an endorphin rush being outside. So we have estrogen dominance. We have adrenal health. What is the third thing that can prevent people from losing weight? So toxins and low thyroid. So um, one of my favorite blog posts is the one I wrote about how I ripped my too tight dress en route to a wedding. And unbeknownst to me, I had mercury toxicity and um, I was eating a lot of tuna fish. I was a dietitian at a hospital at the time. There was, the, I called her the tuna fish lady. The tuna fish lady had, was a vendor 
who had a cart and would make the most delicious tuna fish sandwiches. And uh, I would have one every day. And after, you know, a year, year and a half, my thyroid completely conked out. I packed on, I, I was size four, lifting heavy weights, running lean fit. And I went up to a size eight. I gained like 20 pounds in three months, which for me, I'm five foot three and a half. So 20 pounds on me is a lot of weight. I didn't recognize my body. And I developed the most extreme irritable bowel that no one could figure out. So I had diarrhea for years, didn't always make it to the bathroom, was training for a marathon at the time. So you train for a marathon when you need to go to the bathroom like that, that is a real challenge. And then like on the way to, and I couldn't face my weight gain. So we had a family wedding to go to and I tried to squeeze into my old dress. And as, and I was able to squeeze into it, my mom zipped me in and as we were getting into the cab, the slit in the back ripped all the way up to my bum. (laughs) So I was like, I'm in real trouble now. And uh, it took me a while to find a doctor to diagnose my then mercury toxicity and my thyroid had completely conked out. So whether it's mercury, it could be mold exposure, which is very common now. It could be you know, of a variety of heavy metals through which we get through, you know, the environment we get through our food, you know, seafood is a source of mercury, but so is the air. So is mercury fillings, again, are less common now. Or you can also have breast implant illness is another toxic illness. I've seen massive health transformations for women getting their breast implants out, which were covered in mold, or uh, they developed an autoimmune reaction Uh, like Hashimoto's to their breast implants. So you really want to make sure what is in your body is being eliminated and detoxified properly because a low functioning thyroid will absolutely impact how you burn fat um, and how you put on weight. You can retain a lot of water with Hashimoto's and adrenal dysfunction uh, because your thyroid and your adrenals are really sisters And if your thyroid is down, your adrenals are going to work extra hard to try and pick up the pace for your body. And then you can get in a place of chronic fatigue with undiagnosed and untreated thyroid medicine. Now, am I saying that you would never need thyroid medicine once you fix toxins? No, but you can, you may be able to, to decrease the amount of thyroid meds that you need. So you want to make sure that, and again, you would work with your functional medicine doctor on on getting the test done. But toxins can also disrupt your gut function too. A lot of toxins live in your gut as well and can really, really disrupt gut function. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you're linking toxins to all of these things because I think when a lot of people think about toxins, they think, okay, liver, or maybe they think skin, right? Because we may break out because those toxins are coming out that way, or maybe things like headaches. But it's really, really important to know that they really can affect everything. And thyroid for sure, I mean, especially with mercury. And I really resonate with what you're saying. I also had mercury toxicity. I actually had 16 amalgam fillings when I was young, when I was a teenager. Um, Thankfully, I had them all removed. Uh, But between that and I was vaccinated twice. Um, I moved here when I was 10. And so I was vaccinated where I grew up in Lithuania. And then I had to get vaccinated again to go to school here. So between both of those things, my mercury was through the roof. And that is, in my opinion, what I think flared up the Hashimoto's, what definitely affected my thyroid. So I 
completely understand what you're saying. And there is such a link there. Oh, I can't believe you went through that. So you literally got two entire cycles of vaccines. Yes. I mean, they were obviously not back to back. I mean, I had them when I was probably, you know, three, four, five years old. And then when we came here, I was 10. And I got, I mean, I think I got the MMR again when I was like 10, maybe 11 to go to school and then whatever else I needed to get because a lot of those records didn't transfer. And interestingly enough, that was also the time, I mean, I was 11, right? So most kids don't really notice things, but that's when I started noticing breakouts. My hair started to get like a lot more brittle and more coarse. I was more tired. I started having a lot of like IBS type symptoms. And at that point, I didn't even get my period yet. So it wasn't even a hormonal thing. It was just all of these toxins. My goodness. Thankfully, and like you were saying, there's so much that we can do to optimize our detoxification, to do various binders and um, so many herbs and extracts that can help to pull things out of our body, you know, and also things like sauna and exercise, like you mentioned, there's so much that we can do. I think it's just important for people to know that these are the possible things that can affect it. So then they know to look for it. Because like you mentioned before, when you go to a very conventional doctor, oftentimes they're not going to investigate all of these things. And they're just going to say, oh, well, here's the medicine for this or medicine for that. And, you know, in some situations, especially when it comes to thyroid, certain medicines may be needed, but we really want to try to get to the root. That's really the purpose of it. Now, if someone is wondering about toxins, and because there are so many different toxins out there, are there tests that you think are better than others? Are there tests that you use to try to evaluate some of these toxins? This is something that uh, has to be ordered through a functional medicine doctor. I haven't been able to really uh, access many of these tests myself um, or really, you know, they, the protocols are pretty intense. And so I definitely recommend working with a doctor on this one. It's not my zone of genius. I've always hired doctors to help me because the, the, the detoxes now are so, the, the way people detox is so different than they used to previously. You know, previously you would, you could get injections of DMPS or take it orally. There was a product called Captamer I took a hundred years ago. I don't even know if that's still made. Um, and now you can get like glutathione injections and vitamin C drips and all these really innovative things that I can't do. So that I do source out. But if you work with a good functional medicine doctor, they can run panels of tests. And often um, you have to provoke the mercury. Like you can take a binder and then collect your urine and send a sample of that urine to a lab and it will show up what your, you know, what your body is excreting. Um, I don't recommend typically, like I used to do back in the day hair analyses, but I'm just not feeling like they're accurate enough. So you do have to test kind of a baseline. Um, a urine test is a good one. And I, I wouldn't do a blood test per se. I would absolutely do a urine test. And then you can retest after you've done treatment to see your levels come down. And, and, and it's something that is really treatable. That's the nice thing. Absolutely. You know, it really does come down. It makes a difference. But then dietary wise, um, you know, cilantro and... You can make a really good smoothie. If you Google heavy metal detox smoothie, it will come up, but it has cilantro. It has wild Atlantic dulse 
at Flakes and it has blueberries in it and some fruit. And that is a wonderful mental chelator. Even just eating half a cup of cilantro a day is an incredible mental chelator. So you can do a lot. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're mentioning that because I want everyone listening to know that there's a lot of things that they can do. And yes, I mean, the glutathione and the vitamin C drips are wonderful, but obviously you have to go somewhere and they can be very, very expensive. Um, I actually did a whole year. I'm not kidding. I literally did a year of chelation and the drips. I think I had 46 chelation. So it was almost once a week for a year. And it was helpful, but oh goodness, it was a lot on the body. And in hindsight, I don't know if I would have done that. After that, I actually ended up using Dr. Chris Sheet's protocol. Um, and I talk about him a lot on the show. He is the one who has that mercury tri-test, which is the red blood cell analysis for mercury, which is a really nice way to see it where you don't necessarily need a provocation. And a lot of the products that he has are liposomal. And you know he has this um, product called intestinal metal detox that helps to bind the mercury in the gut and things that help to push things out into the bloodstream and then bind them up. So there's a a lot of things that you could do and take orally if you don't have access to the drips. And, you know, I found that I had even better results with some of that. And there was a little bit less of, you know, some of those detox symptoms, because I have to say after my first chelation, I walked out and I thought it was going to fall over. I was in middle of Manhattan. I had to get on the subway and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I was dizzy and I felt like I was dragging a 25 pound weight and that lasted for a couple of days. And then it happened with each treatment. So it's a lot. Yeah. And I thank you for enlightening me on that. Yeah. I, I really appreciate all the work Dr. Shade does. I, I think it's really great quality. And yeah, I mean, again, if you have a sauna, an infrared sauna, or can access one, Epsom salt baths with some vitamin C thrown in, those can also detox as well. And the Epsom salts are so nice and it makes you feel relaxed. So it helps with the stress. So <laughs> kill two birds with one stone. Yes. And also make sure you're getting enough dietary protein. Uh, that's also really essential to support your detoxification pathways. Now, the next thing that can affect people in terms of losing weight would be insomnia and the sort of higher stress. I know we touched on adrenal dysfunction, but I know that this is a little bit different. So talk to us about that. When you have insomnia and you're gone more than you know a couple weeks without really good quality sleep, it starts to disrupt your blood sugar balance. Um, it starts to affect your cortisol levels. And it can also help your body store more fat and break down muscle. So you want to make sure that the quality of your sleep is good and you figure out why am I not sleeping? And again, that's where a Dutch test comes into play, right? Obviously, we want to look at lifestyle first, right? Am I just on screens too late? Am I not managing my stress? Did I have, am I like having spousal arguments right before going to bed and then trying to go to bed? Or are my kids' sleep schedules really off? You know, you want to make sure that you're addressing those things first because not all of everything is in our control. And yes, if you've got a sleep, a baby that wakes up to nurse, of course, you're not going to be getting good sleep or your kids are on a, you know, need some good sleep hygiene. That's, that can be fixed and addressed in time. Um, but then you want to look at the deeper. Oh, and you want to make sure too, are, are you doing too much cardio and are you doing it too late in the day? Right. And do you need to switch up your cardio? And are you eating a lot of sugar? Okay, that comes next. We look at the diet. If you're eating a lot of sugar or, or you're eating too close to bedtime, 
All of those can really disrupt your sleep, make you get up to pee a lot more. Uh, the high sugar and insulin can also alter your cortisol levels. So you want to make sure you're balancing your blood sugar. I remember when I wrote Cave Women Don't Get Fat and this woman sent me picture. It had been out three months and she sent me her before and after pictures and she lost 25 pounds. She got off her z which was her sleep medicine. And then she decided to divorce her husband. I like to think I have nothing to do, I have nothing to do with the third part, but the first two, yes. But you know, once she balanced her blood sugar, she was able to sleep normally, right? Most of us don't even realize that we're waking up because our blood sugar is bottoming out in the middle of the night. So you fix this by getting optimal protein during the day. Now, there's a difference between adequate and optimal. Adequate is following the Dietetic Association, which is like 0.6 grams per kilogram of dietary protein. It's very low. This is what I put my people on with renal failure in the hospital. Okay, people who were going into kidney failure waiting for dialysis had very low protein diets. The minimum amount anyone should eat is 100 grams per day, and that is the minimum amount. Um, that's the amount you often need to maintain muscle mass if you can maintain it. But ideally, you know, the average woman I see and I do calculations on everyone's you know, I calculate out everyone's macronutrient needs. Most people fall between 16 and 20 ounces of protein a day. This is about four to five ounces, four times a day. Or if you're someone who intermittent fasts, you know, you can eat eight ounces of protein twice a day um, or have a snack in between. But it really, um, that is the amount we need to build and sustain lean muscle mass. If you're not eating it, but you're lifting a lot of weights, you're never going to build muscle. You need diet and strength training to really support your body. And thank you for saying that because there is a big movement, I feel like these days, where you know people are starting to eat more plant-based, which again, I think everyone is different and we all need different things. But I think that as people are becoming more plant-based, they're not realizing that their protein intake still needs to be at this amount. And there are some people that are saying that, oh, you really only need 20 grams or 30 grams in a day. And it just, that doesn't make sense. So I'm so glad that you're saying this. Thank you. Well, and if you're doing a plant-based diet properly, you will be getting, you should be getting more than 20 grams a day. But um, the problem with plant-based diet is A, it's very financially, this is where I'm on my political soapbox people. So if you don't like this, turn it off. But but you, you should listen because most of it is, financially driven. There's a lot of money to be made off pea protein. Bill Gates owns a ton of, of cropland with genetically modified foods and he's you know pushing um, the plant-based agenda. And it's not actually based in science, okay? It's very difficult to build muscle on plant protein and you have to eat an extraordinary amount of plant proteins. Like uh, even quinoa, you have to eat two cups of quinoa to get the same protein as in four ounces of chicken. So your two cups of quinoa is a lot of food. It's a lot of carbs. It's a lot more calories. And so you have to look at science versus opinion. A hundred percent. And even in that movie Game Changers where, you know, they make it seem like everything, you know, is studied, which I don't know if that's really the case, but oftentimes 
I think the people that they showed, they didn't talk about it as much, but, you know, they've talked about it later behind the scenes that a lot of those athletes were getting supplemental, you know, plant-based protein shakes and things like that. They weren't getting the protein they needed from just what they were eating. They were supplementing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's half truths and it's not steeped in science. And so if you look at the, uh, the studies on animal proteins and how they affect muscle mass and how critical it is to have muscle mass to age well. I mean, if you don't have enough muscle mass, you are prone to type three diabetes. You are prone to falls, dementia, brain fog, low energy, bone breaks. I mean, who wants any of those things. Who wants that? Yeah. And Esther, for those people that are listening who may not be familiar, can you tell us what is type three diabetes? Type three diabetes is basically dementia induced by a high sugar, low protein diet in a nutshell. And all of us have dementia in our families. Every one of us, it seems like. My, my own father, he, he passed away last year, but he had Lewy body dementia, which wasn't He had a slow progressing case, but his whole life, he had cereal for breakfast, yogurt for lunch, and then dinner was his only protein. And he was tiny, tiny, tiny. And I was like, dad, where's the beef, man? Where's the protein? So always trying to get him to eat more protein. And speaking of dementia, also, there's a lot of research on B12 in the elderly and how deficient they are, not leading to dementia, which again, where do you get? from animal protein. So it's all connected. Animal proteins. That's right. And and liver and egg yolks also are the only two foods that contain choline, which is so important for brain function and especially fetal development, but really, really important for brain function. So the diet makes a huge, huge, huge difference in your outcomes for longevity and mental health and cognitive, cognitive health, I should say in this case. Yes. For sure. And of course, the sleep, which is something that we really need to get enough of and have optimal sleep so that our body can lose weight in a healthy, normal way. Yes. Now, the fifth thing here is gut and things like parasites. And I know that for many of us, we think, you know, we live in a country, you know, say a lot of us anywhere in the US, we're not in a third world country. So, is this really possible? And I think you'll probably agree with me that parasites are more common than people realize. So talk to us about that and gut stuff and why that's important for weight loss. So you need a healthy gut to lose weight because if you are inflamed or you have a what's called a leaky gut where the gut wall, and by gut, I'm, I'm talking about the small intestine, um, where the intestinal wall becomes porous and Semi-permeable is the term used, but imagine undigested food particles passing back and forth across that intestinal wall. You get a lot of bloating, you can get gas, you can pass undigested food in your stools. So if you're not um, if, if you're not absorbing your nutrients, your body can think you're in a starvation state and you can become deficient in nutrients, which really help fat loss, like magnesium or omega-3s or um, just even trace minerals that regulate your blood sugar like zinc um, and chromium and all of these amazing, amazing nutrients. So you want to make sure that your gut is not in an inflamed state. And the first thing you do 
is remove offending substances, right? You've got to weed out the crud that's in there. And I often see um, parasites related to workers not washing their hands in restaurants or contaminated leaves, like lettuce leaves that you buy commercially. So I started growing my own lettuce. You know, I myself had some parasites. and wasn't even traveling outside the country. So parasites are alive and well here. The problem is because we're more westernized and we have indoor plumbing and people aren't um, defecating and washing their clothes and getting their water all from the same source. So we think that we are not susceptible to parasites, but um, the reality is other countries like India and Africa have way better parasitology research than, than we do in the United States. So anybody's susceptible to parasites and stealth infections. Um, H. pylori is also really common and H. pylori doesn't necessarily cause symptoms in everybody, but the people I see tend to have a lot of symptoms like heartburn, ulcers, reflux, chronic bloating, low digestive enzymes, uh, low, low stomach acid, all of those, you know, each pylori can cause a cascade of dysbiosis and a leaky gut. So you really want to make sure that you treat that. Um, so if you are um, trying, if you're like, where do I even start? Because I do feel bloated. Um, you start and you notice your digestion seems off. Something's, you know, something's not right. So first things first, Digestion starts in the mouth. It starts in the mouth. It doesn't start in the stomach. It starts when we chew and when we release saliva, which is chock full of digestive enzymes. So you want to make sure that you are chewing your food until it's what I call a slurry. It's what dietitians call a slurry, which is the consistency of baby food. Okay. Most people, you know, they chew three bites and swallow. So you actually have to be in kind of a parasympathetic state when you eat. You've got to take, take some deep breaths before you start eating. Say grace, you know, get in a, get in a space of gratitude. And you got to chew your food really, really, really well, like 20 to 30 times, not just chew, 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 gulp. It's chew and chew and chew and chew. Take smaller bites. Put your fork down between meals, okay? Um for some people, if you're really rushed, I'd rather see you almost make a, a smoothie and just sit that. That will be gentler on your gut than trying to wolf down a salad and steak because you won't, if you're wolfing it down, you won't digest it. You also want to be kind of in a calmer, happy space and uh, when you're eating emotionally. If you're really stressed, I tell you not to eat because your body's going to be in such a fight or flight state. Anyway, you're not going to digest your food. You don't produce hydrochloric acid under those circumstances. Your body's ready to bolt and like thinks you're a caveman trying to outrun, you know, a saber toothed tiger or a bear. So you want to make sure <laughs> that your blood is not in your extremities. It's actually in your stomach. You want to also make sure that you are, you're eating without distractions. Okay. You're also dialed into your eating experience and you're registering the food going from your mouth into your digestive tract, really whether sensing whether or not you're full. Overeating can cause a lot of gut dysfunction too. It can really cause a lot of bloating and distension and inflammation in the gut. So you want to make sure you're kind of eating when you're finishing, when you're satisfied, but you're not overly stuffed. Of course, that goes right into the weight loss, right? It affects the gut, but then you eat too much and it affects your weight and it goes round and round. That's right. And you want to make sure that you have an acidic environment. Your inside of your stomach should be a 
cauldron of acid. And a lot of people are going to their gastroenterologist and the gastroenterologist says, you have too much acid, it's coming up, we gotta quench that fire and put you on an acid blocker, which is okay short term uh, to put the fire out, especially if you have an ulcer and you have to heal the ulcer. But long-term will cause wretched side effects like bone loss, malabsorption of nutrients. It can cause candida overgrowth and allow a nice overgrowth of parasites or gut bugs that don't belong there because they don't grow and survive in an acidic environment. So it's usually a deficiency of stomach acid that causes reflux. Um, And so a great way to help balance that out is I have people drink a combination of, I have them juice an entire bunch of celery and add in two tablespoons of fresh aloe gel, or you could buy it store-bought, but I like to just cut off a two-inch cross-section of the leaf, scoop out the gel, stir it in your freshly juiced celery, drink that on an empty stomach uh, first thing in the morning, and you wait 20 minutes to eat your breakfast. Um, or if you can't do it in the morning, you know, 20 minutes before lunch or dinner, but that tends to really help restore and re hydrochloric acid production. It gets people off of their, uh, H2 blockers off of their acid drugs within two to three weeks. This cocktail is really pretty miraculous. There isn't a lot of scientific research on celery juice. A lot of people roll their eyes, but it really does work. I've been using it in my practice for like three or four years now. It really, really helps. And everyone can do it. It's very simple to do. That's wonderful. And celery juice also has some anti-inflammatory benefits. So I could see how it helps with that and other things. Yeah. I think that sometimes the issue is that if there's one remedy that's touted to be good for everything, that's when it becomes a problem. And unfortunately, I think that has happened with celery juice because of some of the recommendations. But I think because it's obviously more soothing, like you said, and then the aloe is really soothing. I can absolutely see how it helps um, with that. Now, are you doing that um, first thing in the morning or are you doing that with meals? First thing in the morning, you want to have it away from meals. Now, if celery juice isn't your jam, cucumber juice is a close second. That also is, is very, very helpful. Um, but you can also take, you know, digestive enzymes. Um, your body requires hydrochloric acid to kind of keep the pyloric sphincter closed and keep the acid in your stomach. It also needs, uh, you can take zinc carnosine is very, very healing for the gut as well. Um, and you can try a low histamine diet. You know, you just Google low histamine diet. Some of that can also be aggravating your inflammation. Um, gluten and dairy also are massive culprits of heartburn. I had a, a client years ago who was going to the ER Every He was very overweight also, so he was going to the ER every six weeks like clockwork thinking he was having a heart attack, and he just had some serious um, acid reflux and indigestion. And I took him off gluten and dairy, and he lost 70 pounds, and he never went back to the ER again. So check. It's pretty amazing, right? And it's it's a lifestyle change for sure, but man, isn't that worth it? Like you get your life back and don't have to keep going to the ER. Yeah. So those, you know, just simple dietary changes, you know, if, if we understand the body and say, okay, all of these symptoms are, are my body telling me something, what is it that I need to hear or do to fix the problem versus just taking a pill and living with it? You know, we, we can 
most of these are, are treatable and, and not impossible to reverse. It's quite the opposite. They're quite simple to reverse. They just need a little time. Right. Exactly. And, you know, looking in to see what it is. Absolutely. hundred percent. So there you have it, guys, the top five things that can affect your weight loss. We have estrogen dominance, adrenal dysfunction, toxins, and the thyroid connection. We have the insomnia connection, and then all of our gut stuff. So how we're digesting, how we're absorbing, the types of bugs and the microflora that we have. And all of these things are very connected, and it is going to affect how your metabolism is working and how you can lose weight. Esther, thank you so much for all of this information and for all of the helpful hints. You talked about so many things that people can implement in their lives right now without even needing to see someone. So this is so, so helpful. Esther, for those that want to connect with you or want to find out more about you, where can we find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Gorgeous Esther. Um, You can go to my website, estherblum.com. In if you go to um, estherblum.com forward slash cravings with an S, you can uh, have access to my three-part video series on how to crush your cravings. But really, it's, it's really how to optimize your health. And then <laughs> for five of your listeners, I have opened up my calendar Um, for complimentary 30-minute consultations for people who are having a health struggle or really are trying to move the needle with their health and haven't been able to figure out what the root cause is. So you can go to estherblum.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. Great. Well, thank you so much. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Esther, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for all this information. And I really appreciate you being here. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. As you just heard, when it comes to weight loss, like many other ailments, it's not a one size fits all approach. And it is also not just about calories in and calories out. With Eliana, I wanted to look at several key areas based on what I learned about her in our first two hour consultation to see what could be causing this weight loss resistance. I looked at thyroid, hormones, toxins, GI, and lifestyle to see which areas needed support as all of these areas play a large role with weight management. Thyroid is typically a big one. So I ran a full thyroid panel and I was really expecting to see something there, but everything was normal. And I made sure that we were in the optimal range and she was, and she did not have any thyroid antibodies. So she did not have Hashimoto's. So that checked out. We crossed that T, dotted that I, we could put that to the side. Then I looked at her hormones and we ran a Dutch test, which is a dry urine test for hormones. I suspected that she may have some estrogen dominance just based on some of the issues she was having with her menstrual cycle. And in the test, we did see that she has more estrogen and also the type of estrogen that was higher is the more negative type of estrogen, the 4-hydroxyestrone. And this one can cause issues more so than some of the other ones. And so we wanted to make sure that her body was properly metabolizing it. So here I use DIM, calcium deglucurate, and BroccoProtect. All of these are from Designs for Health. And I also worked on her foods to make sure that the protein she was eating was coming from animals that were raised organically without antibiotics and hormones, which also plays a big role. Then I suspected she could have some toxins because she did have some silver fillings when she was younger. 
she had all of them removed. However, oftentimes when we have a history of having silver fillings, some of the mercury could stay in our body. So we did the mercury try test and she did in fact have mercury. It was three times higher than we ideally want to see it. And so here I used the push catch detox from Quicksilver Scientific plus some extra glutathione. We worked on this for three months. Now in this time, she started to feel better. However, the weight hasn't moved just yet. It was frustrating, but at the same time, and if this happened to you in the past as well, please know that in some situations, weight could be the last thing to go. And sometimes we have to work on all of these things before we see it move. The other area I knew we needed to support was her GI system because she was complaining of gas and bloating. So we did a stool test and here I saw that she had dysbiosis or an imbalance of the flora. She had too many bad guys, but also not enough of the good guys. Additionally, she also had low enzymes. So what we worked on is first chewing better because a lot of our food is first broken down in our mouth with our saliva. And then I also gave her digestive enzymes. And then I knew she needed pre and probiotics and also postbiotics. For this, I recommended Koso. It's actually something I've been using myself with great results. It's a Japanese fermented drink made from over a hundred different vegetables, fruits, and plants. Now, what's important to know is that gut flora needs to be diversified, meaning that it's not just about having a lot of one, but it's about having a lot of different types of good bacteria. And what helps to feed all the different good bacteria are plant fibers. Now, the problem is that most of us eat the same thing all the time. So even if we are eating healthy and we are eating vegetables, do you ever notice how you probably eat the same five or six vegetables? I know that happens to me. It happens to the best of us. And so sometimes I recommend that people do a veggie mash where you get a lot of different vegetables, you mash them up and you eat them. But that takes a little bit of time and a little effort. And so what I like about Colsa is that it's a much simpler solution because it has all of these things all in one. And there's so many other benefits, not just for digestive health, but for your overall health and immune system, because so much of that starts in the gut. I used it with Eliana daily in the mornings to help support her digestion and metabolism, but Coso can actually be used multiple times a day, almost like a cleanse. As we were doing this, we also worked on lifestyle, making sure that she's managing her stress and working on how she perceives her stress. We use meditation, we use journaling, we use gentle exercise to help support that. As she was finishing up her detox and now supporting her gut, that is when she started to see the weight finally move. She lost five pounds as we started the GI detox and then 10 more in the next month. She was so excited. And of course, so was I. While weight loss is certainly not easy, it is absolutely attainable if you look at everything. Because everything is so interconnected, you really want to make sure you look at all of the different areas because it's not just about calories in and calories out. If Eliana sounds like someone you know, can you please share this episode with them and make sure that you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. As always, when it comes to your health issues, please don't give up. The answers really are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mysteries Solved.
All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.